welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. You've been following your favorite high school football team all season, but now that the playoffs have arrived, you have no idea who they could be potentially playing. In years past, it was easy. They'd be playing someone in a classification from 1A to 8A. This year, though, you've got M's, S's, and 1R. Potential matchups loom against teams from places you might not have even heard of. What happened? Well, prior to the season, the Florida High School Athletic Association broke schools up into metro, suburban, and rural classifications. It was meant to make it so Miami, Tampa, and Jacksonville don't hog all the state titles. Now, they'll have to cannibalize themselves for championships, while schools in smaller areas have better odds at winning a title. So if you're in 4M, for instance, you're in the highest level of metro schools. Your school is between roughly 2,300 and 4,800 students. If you're in 4S, you're in the highest level of suburban schools. Your school is between roughly 1,900 and 3,200 students. You can find all the breakdowns at fhsaa.com. So who are the best teams in the state, and who might win a title that hasn't sniffed the state final in quite some time, if ever? To help me get all the insight, I welcome back John Santucci, the USA Today Florida Sports Network state recruiting and high school sports reporter. John has been traveling the state all season, checking out the best teams and players the state has to offer. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. If you want to hear from someone who knows an unreasonable amount about high school football in the state of Florida, that guy is John Santucci. He'll blister your eyebrows with the amount of knowledge he flamethrowers at you. So put on your fireman gear and get ready for a great discussion. John, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Gotta love a setup like that where I refer to your knowledge as unreasonable about high school football, but you are the most knowledgeable person I know. I would like a list of the people you know, because I think it needs to get expanded very, very quickly, but I do appreciate you saying that. (laughs) That's a very good point. I need more friends, John. (laughs) All right. Well, let's let's get right into it. Counseling session. I'm not your best guess. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll save the counseling for a different podcast. uh, But let's get into it here with some high school football, because we got some really big things coming up this week, provided a storm doesn't, uh, you know, alter the plans. But we'll kind of keep an eye on that. It's Monday and we're still watching what's going on in the subtropics right now. But let's start here, uh, John. You know, um, for both Jacksonville and Brevard County, the two places where I'm the sports editor overseeing, we're loaded with talented teams. In Jacksonville, you've got 1M Trinity Christian. You've got 4S Bartram Trail. And in Brevard, you, of course, got 2S Coco and 3S Rockledge. So who are some teams from other parts of the state that we should be watching as the playoffs begin? And who, in your eyes, is maybe the best team in the state? Can, let, let's go with the second question first. Shamanan Madonna, I think, is is the team that I would pick, uh, even ahead of Miami Central. And and 
you know, again, having seen a lot of the good teams, not all the good teams, but a lot of the good teams in the state this year, there is a tier that consists only of Chaminade and Central, in my mind. And then there's a lot of other good teams right behind that. But those two teams, to me, are on a level all their own. You know, obviously, Central went up to uh, IMG and beat them in the season opener. Um, and and in the process, just absolutely dominated the uh, the second half, and particularly the fourth quarter of that game, which, you know, you're probably not going to see that too many times where IMG is just is completely unable to get any push up front where their defensive line or their offensive line is just getting completely dominated at the point of attack. Chaminade, when they're on, there's nobody better, in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Chaminade being the best team in the state. Who are some of the other teams to watch in the state of Florida? Man, there's a whole bunch. Uh, do you want to go? How do you want to do this? Do you want to, like, go by class? Do you want to go? That's such a... A random, not random, it's just such a wide-ranging question. Can you give me any parameters on that question at all? Sure, just tell us three or four more teams. Three or four more teams. Um, You might have heard of Aquinas. They're really good again. Lakeland has been really good. Venice lost in the the regular season finale, but they're going to be right in the mix in 4S. Edgewater's been phenomenal this year, and as long as their quarterback is healthy, that's going to be really good. Or sorry, the running back, Cedric Baxter, is headed to Texas. Uh, Seminole has been really good this year, but they just got they just lost against the Popka uh, on a last-second field goal. Um, and that's an interesting one. Seminole is the number one seed in, uh, in uh, Class 4M Region 1, but they will be on the road in the first round because they will play a— they're an at-large and they're playing a district champ. So— Seminole will be on the road in the first round, but if they win the region, they will host the state semifinal. So if you can make sense of that, you know, at any time, stop me. Uh, Columbus has been phenomenal all year. I'm sure there's a bunch of teams I'm missing, but uh, there's a lot of really, really good football in this state. And I think it's interesting. We'll get into it later. I I think in the Metro classes, the state championship games, you can kind of pencil in some games, but they look really, really good. And in the Suburban, I think you can kind of pencil in the final four in a lot of the classes, but those games should also be very competitive. So I think we're going to have a fun postseason, honestly. Yeah, you know, before I get into some more of my questions, I'm just curious. I've kind of liked it. What have you thought about this split with the Metro and Suburban? I liked it from the jump. Uh, At the very least, it's worth a two-year, you know, does this work, does it not work cycle so far? I like what I see. I think if if you had Metro, if you didn't have Metro Suburban, um, Miami Central would still be Miami Central. Chaminade would still be sh- like, you know what? These teams would still be who they are. Aquinas would still be Aquinas. So the idea that somehow like, you know, uh, it's less exciting now is is garbage. And what I think we're going to see two things. I think the FHSA did right. And, and you might really want to record that part because I don't think I've ever said those statements before or that statement. Uh, one, I like Metro Suburban because I think it's going to make the playoffs more exciting, meaning I think we're going to have better games throughout the playoffs. Um, if you look at a region like 2S Region 1 or with, you know, Florida High, Pensacola Catholic, Wakulla, Suwannee, Walton, uh, West Florida Bay, that's a loaded, loaded region. There's going to be a lot of good football games in that region and I think we should just be able to appreciate that rather than saying, oh, well, would any of these teams beat Miami Central? Because no, they probably, no, they wouldn't, right? But 
this is the classification system we have now. And I think, you know, uh, I think we're going to see a more level playing field for metro schools and suburban schools, which is, I think, how it should be. I also yeah. like how they change the seating. You're, you know, I really, really like that you're not guaranteed a district championship. If a district champion is not guaranteed a uh, a one through four seed. So I think we're going to see a lot better games in the second and third round of the playoffs that we weren't seeing before last year. I, I, I did the math. I, I don't have it sitting right in front of me. I apologize. But I think about 70% of the time, the five seed last year, which was the best at large team, beat the number four seed. And I think the average was by 17 points, which is a three score game. Four or five is in NCAA basketball. That's your eight, nine game. That's your 10, seven game on paper. That should be the best game. You know, that should be the most competitive game. And it was, it was usually lopsided because the best at large team was considerably better than the worst district champion. And you had the added problem of that created a scenario where the one four or the one five game pitted was usually for the regional championship because it was the best district champ against the best at large you want to push those games as far back as you can in the playoffs you want to create more excitement so um you know i I think the fhsa definitely got that right yeah well i'll tell you one thing that they didn't get right was holding the first round of the high school football playoffs on the same night as the state volleyball championships. I don't like that this Friday we're going to have to split up a bunch of our coverage between high school football and the team from Brevard County, Vieira, that's playing the team from Volusia County, uh, New Smyrna Beach in a state championship at 5 o'clock Friday. So that's a shame that those games aren't Saturday like they have been in years past. But, you know, they're going to be... That's if we get games on Friday and Saturday right now. That's very true. We'll have to keep an eye on the rain there, too. I think any any plans right now, you know, I'm not being an alarmist. I think I'm being a realist. Like, you know, there's a very potentially large storm out there. Fortunately, it doesn't look to be, you know, anything more than a a very strong tropical storm or, you know, a one mile over over a category one uh, designation. But, uh, you know. I just the the fact that it's the whole state's in the cone right now. I think there's a lot of what ifs heading into this weekend. Yeah, definitely a lot of rain coming our way, no matter what happens or no matter what strength it is. So we'll we'll keep watching an eye out for that. But you know, this past week, John, you were again you were up here in my backyard in the Space Coast for what's known as the annual barbecue bowl between Rockledge and Coco. And Coco got out to a big lead, and they had to hold off a Rockledge charge at the end. These are two teams that both potentially could be making finals runs in their in their division. So, you know, uh, how many college prospects were you up checking out in that game? And, uh, you know, just how fun was that game to watch? You know, honestly, because I was, you know, kind of helping Florida today cover that, I, I was really paying less attention to college stuff and, and more attention just to the teams. I think those are two teams that, that at the very least, could be Final Four teams this year. Rockledge uh, pulled out, even though they lost, they're still the number two seed. So if they win the region, they would not have to, they won't have to travel at all as long as they keep winning all the way until the state championship game. And I think that's a team that could be in the mix for a state championship in um, 3S. So the fact that you get two teams that are both of that caliber, two rivals, honestly, no offense if anybody's listening from either of those teams. It wasn't a great technical game, right? It was 28-7 in the beginning of the third quarter. Coco was kind of having their way. 
Uh, Blake Boda had a nice run and, and threw a touchdown pass. Dayday Farmer, to me, I know I don't, wasn't looking at college guys, but Dayday Farmer, to me, the junior is one of the top receivers in the state next year. And, you know, to see the way that Rockledge just refused to give up and, and they made big plays, they intercepted some passes and, and got themselves back into it. And all of a sudden it's 28-21 or 28-20 with a couple minutes left. And, you know, Eddie Combs, I thought, had a phenomenal second half and, and he should have had a phenomenal game. They just couldn't give him the ball in the first half. So, um, you know, to me, Coco's defensive line was the difference in that game. But I really love the way Rockledge refused to refuse to give up. Yeah, and when you look at Coco, you know, their three losses that they had, they came to the number two team in 4M. You mentioned Seminole earlier, and that was in overtime. And then they've also lost to the number one and number three teams in 3-3M in St. Thomas Aquinas and Jones. So, you know, Coco playing, you know, punching up. And in their uh, in their six victories against Brevard County teams, I can't remember the exact number, but they won something like 280 to 23 I think was the total. So you can tell Coco is really dominant when, when they, you know, are, are playing some someone that's not a state power. But, you know, w- let's look at one player here. Last week, there was big news up in the Jacksonville area in that a young man named Colin Hurley, who was supposed to be with the class of 2025, but he's reclassified and committed to LSU. And we did a big feature on him in April. I mean, this kid's the real deal. And he's like 14 or 15 I can't imagine what he's going to look like when he's a fully formed man playing football. So what do you think of Colin Hurley up there? And, you know, he's teaming with Trayon Webb, who's going to the University of Florida next year, a great running back. So, you know, talk a little bit about uh, Colin and going to LSU and reclassifying. Yeah, there is a lot to like there and a lot to like about him. There's so many little stories about Colin that you have to appreciate, you know, the his um just utter focus on the game of football. You know, here's a kid that came in, won the state championship game as a freshman, um, is playing in the playoffs with a, a badly injured foot. I think there was a broken bone or something in his foot. And, you know, if you watch that state championship game last year against, um, man, the school's not even, uh, Champagnat, they, you know, the kid threw great passes. They, they weren't all completed, but he either throws them into a place where his guy's going to catch it or it's not going to get caught at all. And I, I like those guys. He, he's not afraid to take shots downfield. He's a big, thick kid. You know I mean? He's not like 6'4", 6'5", but he is, you know, legitimately 6'2", and, and he's thick, you know? So uh, he's a really tough kid. He, he's played a lot of a lot of good teams. But, you know, even other analysts that I really uh, respect, uh, games that I couldn't be at where they talk to him and he's like, yeah, he's the way he breaks down coverages, the way he sees things, the way he he thinks about the game is drastically different than the way that uh, a normal high school kid, especially a freshman or a sophomore, would look at things. Now he's reclassifying. He's gonna next year, you know, or, or the class of twenty twenty four now. So he'll he'll graduate uh, some point next year. So now all of a sudden he's a junior. You know, phenomenal player. LSU, I think, is getting a great player that that I know every state school is going to be bummed that they missed out on. Um, and I, I think this is a guy who's going to go to college and have a lot of success. Yeah, unfortunately, we were hoping maybe he would choose the Florida Gators, but he decided to go with Brian Kelly and what they're building over there in LSU and what a big win for them against Alabama this past weekend. So who are some other yeah, who, who are some other players around the state, John, aside from Colin Hurley? that are going to be really big impact players in the next year or two at the college level? 
That's a that's a really, really good question. There's a lot of guys, you know, uh, I'm just going to kind of spitball the guys I've seen, the guys I like, you know, uh, Edwin Joseph at um, Chaminade is a guy that that has just absolutely balled out on both sides of the ball. I can see him. I think he's going to play cornerback in college, but I, I could also see him playing. Um, I could see him playing wide receiver. He's 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 a big reason why they've played as well as they have. You know, I want to stick with the senior class because they they've only got a little bit of time left. Um, just looking at some of these top schools and uh, Goldie Lawrence at Seminole is a kid who's headed to Florida State. You know, I love Florida State's recruiting class and especially what they've done at the wide receiver spot. Now, Hiking Williams out of Stranahan is a guy who's going to get a lot of love and and he'll kind of be the the centerpiece of that recruiting class. He's so big and so strong. And he can do things. I've seen him in seven on seven and in, you know, 11 on 11 football. He does amazing things. But the two guys, honestly, that I, I think, you know, are are really special are Goldie Lawrence from Seminole and Vandravius Jacobs out of Vero Beach. And the best thing I can say about both these guys are Goldie's about 6'2", Vandravius maybe 6'1". They both play like they're 6'4". They both like to block. They're both physical. They both give you everything they have all the time. They can both give you looks in the wildcat. Like these are guys that are just special, special guys that you walk out of the, out of a stadium watching them and go, okay, that's that dude, that kind of a thing. I just love watching those guys. Let's see. Uh, Trayon Webb. I love that Trayon Webb has been able to stay healthy at Trinity, at Trinity Christian this year. Um, that's been the only question about him period is, can he stay healthy? This is the first year that he's really been able to stay healthy throughout. He's had a great year. Trinity's the number one seed in in that region. And, you know, they're really looking, obviously, again, at another great game against university. At least I'm hoping it's a great game. You know, one guy who's really been under the radar uh, out of Pahokee is uh, Nashon Benjamin, the running back. He has been, to me, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And I've seen him a couple times, and he just makes big plays. I really like running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield and make you make you, you know, just have to do a lot of different things. He's a very complete running back. I think I might have his name wrong. Hold on. No. Oh, Jay Sean Benjamin. Jay Sean Benjamin. Sorry. I knew I had a, the first name wrong. So, um, yeah, he's been great. I, I could go through a list. There's so many guys in the state of Florida. You can probably trip at any game and, and find six guys. But, um, yeah, those are some of the guys that just immediately kind of came to mind. Oh, one more. Let me give you one more from uh, American Heritage plantation which obviously they've got brandon ennis who's headed to ohio state they got mark fletcher that's headed to ohio state but uh their cornerback their senior cornerback who just dropped his top four uh damari brown i i am so enamored with him this year he has been so special every time i've seen him locking down really really good receivers some of the top guys in the nation like jeremiah smith i think he broke up three passes that were that were intended for jeremiah smith when they played chaminade and uh, Jeremiah might be the number one um, receiver in the country uh, next year. So, um, yeah, really, really big Damari Brown fan. All right. We'll wait to hear where you're going to be committing to soon, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me let me just make it clear that nobody wants me. So uh, that might make that easier. Yeah, well, I think you should be committed, but no worries. <laughs> I'm committed to my family. How's that? There you go. Boy, I got dead silence on that one. I just threw a dead rat in your lap. Let's move on. <laughs> so uh, when when we got the, we have the state championship games that are coming up the first week of December, 
Who are some teams that you are looking for watching in these state title games? If you were to predict a couple of them, what are some of those matchups that you'd like to see? Oh, okay. Now, wait, that's a different question. What would I like to see versus what do I think will happen? Like, because uh, I, I want to make it clear. This is what I think is going to happen. This is not what I think, uh, what I would like to see because I am impartial. So let's just get that out of the way. All right, let's start. One rural, I think we're going to see Pahokee. I think, let me let me just jump this in real quick. One rural to me in Region 4 might be the best in the state. And we're going to drop a story very soon about what the best regions are. But let me just read this region to you on the power rankings that the state did. Number one team in the state is Hawthorne. That's the number one team in, the re in Region 4. Pahokee is the number two team in the state. That's the number two seed in Region 4. The number five seed overall in the state is Chiefland. That's the three seed in the region. The number seven overall team is Williston. That's the number four team in the region. So you've got four of the top seven teams in one region, which I, I'm pretty sure is the most you could have just about. I mean, it, it's it's unreal how deep this region is. Uh, Williston, by the way, just beat Chiefland um, in week 11. So I, I could see this region going a lot of different ways. I think Pahokee, though, I just think they're going to win it. And I've got them playing Northview in the state championship. Northview just had a huge win uh, in week 11 as well. In 1S, I think it's going to be North Florida Christian and Trinity Catholic. Uh, those are the top two teams in our, you know what, now that I'm saying this out loud, let me just look and make sure these are even possible matchups. Yes. So, yeah, because, uh, you know, based on how the, the rankings go out, um, they reseed the teams in the... Uh, in the state semifinals. So I'm just trying to make sure that some of these matchups even could happen should both teams win. And there's one that could not happen. I had Pine Forest Naples, but Pine Forest Naples right now, if they both win, would in 2S, or excuse me, in 3S, would meet in the state in the state semifinals. So I'm going to change that to Pine Forest Rockledge, which I think you guys should be excited about. I, I skipped 2S. I'm going to Florida High Coco. I think that's a potential matchup. Let me do the math on that real quick. Uh, that gets very convoluted very quickly. So yeah, we'll say that's possible. 4S, I really like Lakeland and I really like Bartram Trail. So I'm going to have those two and they're the number two, they're the top two seeds overall. So I'm good there. 4M, Columbus Seminole. Let me see if that works. Yep. Top two seams. 3M, Edgewater Aquinas. 1M, Trinity Christian versus Chaminade. And 2M, I uh, don't know why I keep going out of order. Central versus American Heritage. Now, that game, I think, could be incredibly interesting and incredibly uh, good on a football level. But that would be an all-South Florida State championship game, which is something that we kind of talked about as a possibility. I think that's the most likely classification where you're going to see two South Florida teams that win the state championship is 2M with uh, Central and Heritage. All right. Sounds like there is a lot to look forward to. In other words, that's really cool. And thanks for that breakdown, John. Yeah, I, I feel bad that I, I didn't look ahead of time to see if these were possible matchups or not. But um, yeah, and I, listen, for the most part, again, I like that they reseed it. So if you're looking on a website that has, you know, the winner of this game advances to the winner of this game, just know in the state semifinals, that's not the case. I actually got some calls about that today. Because it says, you know, the winner of game 29 plays the winner of game 30. And now it looks like they have taken those things out of the bracket. At least the one I'm looking at now has removed those um, kind of fallacies.
it, I, I I like that we they reseed and the number one team plays the number four team in the uh, in the regional playoffs. I think it adds to getting the best two teams into the state championship. By the way, can I just throw this out because I know this will hit hit home to you? Did you realize Merritt Island and Sebring are playing in the first round? I saw that. Yeah, the rematch of the state championship game. State semifinal last semifinal. year, right? Was Sebring versus Merritt Island? That that was that was one of the ones that really popped in up to me. Um, I think Sebring's going to have some. Uh, they're they're going to be upset. Of course, you know, no offense, but if Sebring beats Merritt Island last year, I don't think they beat Miami Central. That's just me. No, no, and Merritt Island they put up a heck of a fight. Unfortunately, that uh, you know that, that that's fighting a much bigger dog when you're dealing with Miami Central. But that's part of the beauty of this new reclassification system is Merritt Island, who comes from a town of. You know, it's not even an incorporated city of several thousand playing against a Miami Central team that probably has more families living within a two mile square radius than is in a good portion of all of Brevard County. So, you know, again, I, I do like the way they've split these things up. And I am looking forward to that rematch of the state semifinal that Merritt Island, my uh, my alma mater, won last year. So, you know, John, uh, tell us, where are these state championships going to be played? Because some of them are going to be up in North Florida. Some of them are going to be in doubt in South Florida, correct? Yeah. So, and they're on different weekends too. So if you are in any of the region, any of the class ones, there's three of them, suburban Metro and rural and two S which uh, Coco is in uh, those classes will play in Tallahassee December eight through 10. And then the other five classes will play in Fort Lauderdale, December 15 through 17. So uh, literally just depends on what um what class you're in d- dictates where you go yep and you can find all of that again at fhsa.com and also john uh you know talk a little bit about the early signing period coming up here too because uh you know obviously it used to be february was early signing it's in december now but you know also with with early signing does it lose some of its meaning given a lot of these kids that are signing with schools now will probably transfer out in a year or two? I don't think signing day will ever lose its meaning because of the accomplishment that it is. And it, and it should be celebrated as such. You know, I think I've said it here before. I know I've said it on, on different podcasts that I've been on people who are not sports fans. You know, I always get some mom emailing me saying, why don't we, you know, celebrate the math, the math lead the kid the same way or, you know, why this band kid got a $2,000 scholarship. Why are we not celebrating it the same way or whatever? One, because I'm a sports guy and that's, that's what I get paid to do. So I'm not going to feel bad about the things that I don't do. But, uh, you know, the other side of that is this is a, this is an academic achievement that we're celebrating as well. They have to qualify. You can't not go to class. You can't not take the test. You can't not, you know, know how to read anymore. You're not going to be Dexter Manley and, and still, uh, you know, play college football, you, you, you've got to earn it. You know, you've got to have the SAT or the ACT score. You've got to, you got to do those things. And there are a lot of kids who put in a lot of work behind the scenes because, you know, they, they just don't do as best. They don't do as well as other kids in the classroom. That's not an effort thing. That's just something that they struggle with. But I know a lot of kids that have put themselves in a position to get to signing day because of all the extra time they've put in with tutors or doing summer school or whatever. So when I, I don't, I know that there's a reality of there's NLI money out there and this kid's not happy. So he's going to go play and go over, go somewhere else. You're going to see a lot of kids transfer. All that's real, but 
it's unbelievably important to celebrate this accomplishment, you know, when we get a chance to. So for me, signing day is one of the best days of the year. I think it's really exciting for the kid. I think those kids should be celebrated. And I don't think, you know, it's really, you know, I'm pretty jaded too, but I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead and say, you know, this kid's going to transfer. Now, full disclosure, I've already pegged a couple kids I think are going to transfer based on where they've committed to. But um, that day itself, that, that, that day should just be a, a day of excitement, celebration. And uh, I, I think it's a big deal. You know, what I wonder now, though, looking at early signing period, you know, USF just fired its coach. It's firing season, you know. And so, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Once you start getting firings, you're going to start getting hirings. And, and we saw last year with Lincoln Riley how all those dominoes fell really, really quickly once he got hired at USC. And um, the and obviously when one guy gets fired, hired from somewhere else it creates an opening so we're going to see another massive ripple effect maybe not as big as last year because i think last year is kind of unprecedented but there's a lot of money look at the money miami threw around to not get any kind of results this year so um i think you're going to see a lot of money get thrown around i think you're going to see a couple guys that we don't expect to move move and once that happens all bets are off with who's committed where that though we're going to see a massive shift in early december about Who's going to what school? So um, these next, you know, six weeks are going to be really fascinating. And Miami, speaking of them, I mean, look, they that's one buyout that can't happen for a while because that was something to the effect of an eight year, eighty five million dollar deal. So they're going to have Mario Cristobal for a while. So he better figure out how to run an offense soon, because if they keep doing what they're doing here, that that's not good. But when you look at the Miami. The thing that honestly concerns me as much as the offense is the fact that there's no speed on that in that secondary. I, I I can't tell you how many times I've watched a game where the guy's just getting torched deep. And, um, you know, I feel like when you look at at certain positions there, the cupboard is absolutely bare with talent. So I'm trying to figure out how much of that's Cristobal, who obviously has not generated a lot of excitement during the season. How much of that is that Mario left, you know, or, or Manny Diaz left the cupboard completely empty, um, you know, in a lot of positions. So uh, uh, there's part of me that wants to give him benefit of doubt. There's part of me, though, that, you know, turn is turning off games in the second quarter because they're not even competitive. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to think there. But, yes, if you're a Miami fan and I'm trying to figure out if I'm a fan or just, you know, I'm stuck, it, it, you, we're going to have Manny around for – for a while or Mario, sorry, Mario and Manny, those names are too close. I keep getting them, <laughs> keep transposing the names. Well, and you know, he, here's the only thing we could sit here and have a philosophical discussion on Miami all day. Obviously I went to Florida, so I'm a big Gator fan, but I also follow the state closely. And I know with Mario, it, it, Manny last year had, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, who had no experience and he came in and in six games lit up the world with 300 yards and three touchdowns a game and, you know, averaging things. And this year, the the offense was pretty stinky. I think that Mario doesn't open up the game, even like Manny. I think he's trying to run too much of a traditional offense and that's not going to work in today's football and ACC. So you're right. He does need to improve the talent, but he also needs to get a little bit more daring on offense because that offense has truly been stinky but when you look at their recruiting john you know miami florida florida state ucf who's winning the battle right now uh florida right now oh you know what hold on wait 
I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so frustrated with Miami that I just went somewhere else. Florida had a or Miami's had a really good run somehow. And I'm I'm guessing people hear the somehow and they immediately throw dollar signs in there, but we don't know that. Um, but you know, they just got um two really, really good cornerbacks. One, uh, Antoine Jackson out of Dillard reclassified to the class of 2023. You know, he he jumps in pretty high at our on our top 100 now when we when we update it he'll be probably somewhere in the high 20s or 30s and then the number one player in the state Cormani McLean also committed to Miami the, the cornerback out of Lakeland so uh, Miami all of a sudden we just talked about their corners they just got two really really good cornerbacks you know added to this class and they've done pretty well at least in the state of Florida you know it's interesting a lot of the guys that Mario has landed this class are guys at IMG who are from the West Coast. And obviously, he spent a lot of time in Oregon. So it's interesting seeing that he's gotten guys like Maui Goa, the offensive tackle who's at IMG, and and uh, Wayne, the defensive end, and Riley Williams, the tight end. These kids are from the West Coast who who certainly would have been recruited by, by Mario Cristobal when he was you know wearing Oregon green instead of Miami Hurricanes green. So I, I think that's a big reason why he's gotten some of these guys, but he he's done a pretty good job, honestly, on the recruiting trail. I think Florida has done well. I think they have some boom or bust guys in this class. I feel like Florida has a couple guys that you kind of go, if, you know, if they do this where it's just not a straight line to success, but but it's there. The, the potential is really, really good, especially at the wide receiver position for them. And like I said before, I like Florida State's I like what they've done at wide receiver. I really like the Lucas Simmons kid out of Clearwater Academy International. I think he's going to be an absolute monster for them, not just because he says, not just because he's six seven with like an eighty inch wingspan or whatever it is, but you know, I, I do like what they're doing. Um, and and I'm I'm not like a Florida apologist. I'm not I'm not just gonna, you know, start saying, oh, you know, like I, I know other guys that are like, oh, the you know, Florida Florida colleges, you got to promote them. I, I don't feel that way. I'm going to say who I think is best, but. I actually do like what those three classes have done. All righty. Very good. Well, we've talked about the high school state championship matchups. We've talked about players. We've talked about recruiting and colleges. What haven't we talked about here today, John? Many, many things that are not football related, but I don't know that much about those. So, <laughs> Ah, so you would like to have a philosophical discussion about something other than football then? Oh, I don't think your listeners want to hear that from me. Now, they'd be tuning out very quickly, and they haven't even heard my quote of the week yet. What is that? Is it about wrestling? <laughs> You'll have to find out in just a moment. But before we do that, John, tell us what you're working on and where we can find all of your great work and where people can follow you on social media. At John Santucci on Twitter, J-O-N-S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I. If you spell it with an H, I might block you, even though I'd never find out. So there's that, uh, you know what, right now, just working on, like I said, you know, I'm looking at who are the top regions in the state. I just posted a story on what uh, subtropical storm Nicole could mean for the playoffs and and some options the FHSA is going to have there because should this thing stay on its track, the FHSA might have to make some very quick and some very big decisions. So um, threw out a couple thoughts on that. And, you know, we're going to at some point be looking at the top regional quarterfinal games um in the state and uh also updating that top 100 that i spoke of earlier so there's a lot going on right now absolutely you did such a great job breaking down 
almost immediately having those break the the classifications the the m's and the s's and the r that everybody's getting used to but you had all of that up on sunday you did a great job breaking that down and again all of his work it can be found around the state so we're talking palmbeachpost.com tcpalm.com floridatoday.com jacksonville.com naplesnews.com you name it fort myers sarasota gainesville tallahassee john santucci is everywhere and he's doing a great job and john i really do appreciate you coming on i know we joke around a lot but i love hearing what you have to say and i'll be talking to you soon because those state championships are going to get here before we know it absolutely man i appreciate you all right and that's going to do it for this episode of the state of florida sports podcast i'm tim walters and here is that quote of the week and it comes from chicago bears founder george hallis senior who said nobody who ever gave his best regretted it that's so true thanks for listening and join us again next time we